given one right before I came up here. Uh, Sue Glenn uh, has requested that we pray for her son, Craig. Uh, he has double pneumonia from COVID. Uh, he's breathing about 35% on his own. So keep uh, Craig in your prayers uh, that he will make a recovery from that. And then his wife, Sherry, actually had a sinus surgery, I think, today. Didn't put that in my nose. Brother Jim's telling me I'm correct. It was today. Um, and so keep her in your prayers as well. I'm going to drop this mic a touch lower still. It's like I'm getting a bad, bad echo. If you can't hear me at any point, let me know. But that was just, found it sounded like it was too much for me. Uh, uh, so keep them in your prayers. I know that we seem to be entering a, I guess, the fifth peak of Mississippi in terms of COVID. Uh, so keep people that are, that are struggling with that uh, in your prayers and with the medical teams or continue to work through that. Keep those in your medical teams. Uh, if you're at home for any number of reasons, uh, if you're not feeling well, we'll keep you in your prayers as well. Uh, what other prayer requests do we have tonight? Yes, yes. People on the path of the storm, specifically people we love and know and care about. Uh, and I have people I love and know and care about in the Huntsville area as well. Uh, so the storms seem to be fairly calm that came through our area, which was thankful. I was thankful to see that. And uh, I actually had a conversation at work about that today. I said, well, I'll be very clear. We don't make candles, so if it's going to get bad early, we're going home. Um, we're not staying here. Uh, but anyways, uh, luckily, that seemed to be okay. But as it continues to progress, keep those people in your mind, in your thoughts and prayers. Also, continue to keep the folks um, in Kentucky and the other states that were affected by those tornadoes. I can assure you, for destruction like that takes over a year to get over. It's not over with in two weeks. It's not over with in six weeks. It takes a long time uh, to come back from that. And those people will continue to need our prayers and support uh, from that. Uh, what other prayer requests do you have? Keep Jamie in your prayers. Do you have a staph infection on his elbow? Okay, sorry to hear that. Continue to keep Van Roberts. Um, Van, uh, I I don't know Van well extremely well myself, uh, but he is married to uh, a girl that I went to Iuka with, and actually, the in-laws and my parents were best friends growing up. So she, she spent a lot of time. Dara spent a lot of time in our house, and I spent a lot of time in her house. Uh, so keep that family in your prayers as he's continuing to uh, battle pancreatic cancer. Uh, so keep Van in your prayers. He's a principal at Belmont. Am I correct on that? I'm looking at you, Guy, because I think you know him too. All right. All right. I have a cousin named Cassidy down in Louisiana. Uh, she is, I believe, 18. My Aunt Amy has posted the Boom Bull page about her prayer request. Uh, she was in a car wreck uh, with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend passed away in that car wreck. Um, she is technically, I guess, in a sedated coma right now, uh, but we do expect that to be an ongoing process for her. So pray that neurons will start to fire again and she will wake up soon. Uh, they're weaning her off the ventilator, and that's been over a week now. So keep Cassidy in your prayers. Anyone else? All right, let's go to our God. 
Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so thankful for all that you do. We are thankful and mindful of the weather that you send on this earth, Heavenly Father. We're thankful for the rain uh, that it brings, Lord. We're always in awe of the power uh, that those storms sometimes possess, Lord. And Lord, we pray a thankfulness prayer to you, Lord, that through our area tonight it was not that bad. We know that it continues to move, and we pray that you'll be with those in the path and that energy can be dissipated, Heavenly Father, so that it won't harm other people and it will simply be a rain event. Lord, we pray that you will be with those that were called out tonight. Uh, various illnesses were mentioned, Heavenly Father. We pray that you will help them become well, uh, that if they're fighting a virus or bacteria, their body will overcome those issues, and they'll return to their normal walks of health, Heavenly Father. If they have cancer, Lord, we pray that you will help uh, to remove that cancer from their body so they may return to their normal walks of life. Lord, we pray that you will be with all those that have suffered loss uh, in recent events, Heavenly Father. We mentioned with the tornadoes that occurred to, to the north of us, we pray that you will give them comfort in the needs that they have uh, to get through those storms, Heavenly Father. Lord, we pray that you'll be with those that have been injured in various ways. We pray that you will help them uh, to overcome those injuries, that you'll be with the care teams in all those situations to make the right decisions so they can all uh, return to health, Lord. Lord, we pray that you will be with us as we go throughout this class tonight, that you will help us to apply the things that we learn, that we'll become better Christians in your sight and better soldiers in your army, Lord. Lord God, we thank you so much for your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. Well, it is good to be with you. Um, I knew I would be out last week because my son, my oldest son, was with his team and we were with him in Gatlinburg at a basketball tournament, so we were up there uh, traveling. Uh, so I knew I was be out last week. The week prior to that, uh, all of us were sick, uh, but Isaac was the only one that tested positive for flu, uh, so that's why I unexpectedly had to miss that Wednesday. I really do appreciate Stephen and Guy both filling in uh, for me in, in that scenario. It's always great to have someone that's can, that has the talent and the knowledge to step in and, and help. Uh, I was able to listen to both of their, uh, their, their lessons, uh, and, and I want to make sure that I, we intertwine these ideas and these thoughts, because I think they're very, very important to do that. And what's interesting is, is I offered both of them my outline, and both of them refused. Um, I'm not saying why they refused my outline. Both were like, no, 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 I'm fine, Jonathan, we got it. Uh, but anyways, uh, they. what was great about it is Stephen made a comment to me via text message because I was like, well, here, if you go here, you do this, whatever. This is something I've gotten back from the class. And he said, no, don't worry about sending me that. He said, let's let God mash it up. And so as I, as I was listening to their lessons and knowing what I was going to speak on tonight, I was like, well, he did. He mashed it up because I have, I have threads that go through both of what they taught uh, that we're going to discuss and bring out tonight. And so as we go through this in, in brief review, uh, we introduce the subject, the modern moral issue we'll be discussing, which is fornication. And I started with marriage and where sex is supposed to occur. And I hit that subject kind of hard, and I did not pull any punches, as they say. And as we went over that subject, the one thing I want to make sure that if you got anything out of that lesson is that we undersell marriage 
And when we make marriage sound bad, and we undersell marriage, and we undersell, and we undersell sex in the way that it was meant to be done, you are allowing the devil to win. Why? Because he is happy to say all the opposite of everything I just said. He wants you to believe marriage is awful. He wants you to believe that sex outside of marriage is wonderful. He wants you to believe that sexual immorality is fantastic. So he wants all of us to keep our mouth shut. Here's the problem. We are. I'm going to say that again. The problem is, we are keeping our mouth shut. There's a quote from history that says, all it takes for bad to prevail is for good men to do nothing. Well, if we don't speak and we don't talk about the good things, then evil will prevail. And so as I listened to Stephen's lesson about putting good into our hearts, not just saying this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, that we're missing the point. And so, what is something good that we can put into the minds of our young people? Number one, that marriage is something that is to be honored. And it's a good thing to seek out. And that God created it to save your soul. Why? Well, according to Paul in Corinthians, because sexual immorality is so common. Because it was so common, God gave you this gift. We went back to Genesis and we reviewed how it was designed originally for man and woman to be together, to be together and they were given one task, and that was to populate the earth. And, or two tasks, technically, and to keep the garden. That was it. What a great life. And then Satan went in and Satan destroyed all of that. He destroyed it. And we've never been, ever been able to get back to that. And so, tonight, right off the bat, we are going to have some of our discussion times that we have had during this class. And the very first discussion is going to be about putting good in. Now, if you remember we discussed abortion, we talked about how do you start this conversation, right? After the lesson I taught a few weeks ago, there was a long line of people that came up here to talk to me about that lesson. And when I left that group, I went to the back, there were more people that talked to me about it in the back. And if there was one consistent theme that you told me after class was this. We've got to teach this to our young people. And I told every one of you the same thing. I agree totally. Agree with you totally. So... Brant is at the computer right now. I'm going to ask Brant to zoom out to classroom mode because they can't see your faces. All they can see is the back of your head when we do that because I've run that video before, so I know what it looks like. So he's going to zoom out to camera mode so that the audience at home can feel like they're part of this because that's something I'm really, I'm really concerned about is making sure that our audience at home feels like they're part of these discussions as well. And as I have read those comments, and I do read your comments as you post them, I'm trying to find ways when I interact with the audience that you can feel part of this. So this is what I want you to do first. If you have a child that is currently living in your house that you or your wife birthed, I want you to raise your hand and keep it up. 
Okay, good chunk of the audience. Keep your hands up. All right, if you have a grandchild or great-grandchild that's currently living in your house, I want you to raise your hands and keep them up. Okay? If you have a grandchild that is alive and you care about their soul, I want you to raise your hands. Oh, wow, that really changed the thing. If you have a great-grandchild that is alive that you care about, I want you to raise Keep your hands up. Don't put them down. Okay, I want you to look around. A lot of hands up. A lot of hands up. What if there, we extend that web out further and we go to, what if there are people you may not have given birth to, but they live in your house because of adoption or because your house parents or any number of things like that, and this is a person you have direct influence on? More hands go up. Instantly, right? There's another one. I agree with you. We need to teach this to our young people. But the sad fact is, at best, we have two opportunities a week as a church to talk to them. If they're living in your roof, or you have their cell phone and you can text them, do you know that one of the most powerful weapons a grandparent has is the ability to text their grandparent, their grandchild? I know it sounds nuts, but you should see my kids' faces light up whenever they get a text from one of our grandparents. That's the coolest thing. We're going to talk about why that's cool in just a second. They think that's great. Now, they'll ignore your phone call because they don't talk on the phone. But that doesn't mean you can't text them and have a conversation with them. So this is what we're going to do in our discussion just a little bit. I want you to have this thought in mind, going back to Guy's lesson. Are you going to be responsible for the last Noah? We'll say that one more time. Are you going to be responsible for the last Noah? Because if we know one thing, is it's this. History repeats itself. Earth was created... Everything was perfect. Everything was good. Evil entered. It got so bad, there was one person left on earth that found favor in God's sight. That's a proud dad. Noah's dad should have been a proud dad. Noah's granddad should have been a proud granddad. Should have been a proud mom. Should have been a proud grandmom. If history repeats itself and the whole world turns evil again, will your lineage be the last one that God still finds favor in? Now we look around here tonight, there's plenty of people here, we're not, we don't really, we're not nervous about that just yet. Well, we should be. Because it's happened once. Now God's patient, He wants all men to be saved, so we have no idea when He's going to quit. When he's going to say, that's it, the world is over with. But will you be responsible for producing the last Noah on earth? The last believer on earth? It's a sobering thought if you really think about it. It really, really is. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to look inside yourself and I want you to have a sincere thought 
And be honest with yourself. Is the young person that you're talking about, when you tell me we need to teach this to our young, person, young people, is that young person currently talking and listening to you? Notice I pause because I actually want you to think about it. Are they talking and listening to you or are you just in a situation where you're talking at them? Why does that matter? Because you're not going to be effective if you're just talking at them. Okay? Does that make sense to everybody? You've got to have a relationship where they're actually having a conversation with you so they care about what you say. I'm going to tell you the secret. The secret to making sure a young person will listen to you is you get interested in what they care about and you listen to them. And it can be exhausting. Let me tell you something. Tristan has several of my favorite, my favorite hobbies. He likes boats. So do I. He likes fishing. So do I. Easy conversations for me. No big deal. Literally helped him design his fishing rod he bought for Christmas. Great conversation. Isaac is into UFC. Now, if you don't know what UFC is, UFC is fighting. Never been a fighter in my life. Don't know this sport. Don't understand these people. Don't understand why you'd want to get into an octagon and literally try to kill the person across from you. But it's what he's into. So I listened to him talk about UFC. And we watched some pay-per-views, and now I talk the same language he does. And on the way to church tonight, they're talking about submissions in the back seat. You don't know what a submission is, it's okay. If your grandson or your child is not into UFC, don't worry about it, it doesn't matter. The point of the matter is, I had zero interest in this subject. Zero interest. But my son was into it, so I listened to it. And I didn't just listen, I learned. And when he, threw a, when he threw a video on YouTube in front of my face, I said, watch this. I actually watched it. That's the difference. That's the secret sauce. Just because you're not into something doesn't mean you can't do it. Now, my good friend Guy back there with having two girls, I don't, I, I don't know how you do it, buddy, because at least these are masculine subjects, right? But I know Guy's doing the same thing, but this is why it matters. Isaac, for the first time ever, went to a high school football practice Monday. I don't think he slept Sunday. Now, the rest of the football team, they've been going to football practice. The eighth grade team is over with. They're going, but see, Isaac plays two sports. He plays football and basketball, so he's on the basketball team. Well, he got sent a message on his football group that they were doing workouts and that he was allowed to come. He ain't ever met these coaches. He ain't ever been there. Sunday night, I'm telling you, I don't think he slept. He literally told me seven times, Dad, you got to teach me how to work out. And I said, I can't do that in the night, son. I don't even know what you're doing tomorrow. Okay. I said, son, just watch them do what they do. Listen. Monday morning, I was off. I was off. 
Alarm clock goes off. They had to be there at 7 a.m. I got real still in bed, so Kim would take him. She takes him. She comes back. I'm still real still so that she has to go pick him up. I'm still real still because Jonathan Parr doesn't get to sleep late very often. I get up. I have my whole morning planned out. I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to turn on Manhunt Unabomber. If you don't, you don't have to watch that. It's just what I was planning on doing. I had doubt up. I was ready to go. You know how many minutes of Unabomber I watched Monday morning? Zero. Because Isaac plopped down on the couch beside me, and he told me every workout and every person he met and how many weight, how much weight they could do, and he talked for 45 minutes straight. And I listened. Two or three times I, I picked up the remote trying to give the indication like, son, shut up. I don't get many days like this. And I put it back down. Why? Because when we talk about the subject we're fixing to talk about, I want him to listen to me. Because respect is a two-way street. So this is what I want you to do. I want you to think of the person, we're going to do this first, think of the person or people you want to have this conversation with. And grandparents, you can discuss this with your grandchildren. Believe it or not, my parents discuss it with my kids routinely, the subject of fornication. Routinely. So do we. You can have this conversation. I want you to think of the person. Second, I want you to think of the opportunity. What opportunities do you have to bring this subject up? And I'm going to blow your mind of what I'm fixing to say. If you think they're too young, if you think they're too young, the average male in America begins some form of masturbation by the age of nine. So if you want him figuring out from his phone how to take care of that, which you do not, you might want to have the first conversation before he hits nine. Now, unfortunately, because I don't have a girl at home, I haven't researched when these issues happen with women. I know nothing about that subject. You do. I don't. Okay? Because two men is hard enough for me to raise. But here's what I'm talking about. How are you going to bring up the subject, and who's your target? You have three minutes to have this conversation amongst yourselves. If your parents talk about it with your own, because you've got kids. Jeremy, Leanne, I see you over there. All right. Jack's getting older. Got a shotgun for his birthday. I know. Okay. He can handle a gun. He can handle a sex talk. All right. Here's the deal. Talk about it. Have that conversation with yourself. You have three minutes. I'm going to turn up Brant the white mic, and I'm going to talk specifically to our folks at home, so they're part of this group. I'm going to mute this mic. Okay, Brent. I don't want to be on the house speakers. I don't want to be on the house speakers. Is that possible? If it's not, it's okay. Do what? Fred, you're going to have to mute me. 
thank you for bearing with us technical challenges. Okay, do you have me now, Brent? You've got me. Okay. So I'm going to go over here. I'm just going to stand right here, talk kind of low. Hopefully the microphone picks this up. So if you're at home, you unfortunately, we can't have dialogue back and forth. But I happen to know that at about the 20-minute mark, we're starting this conversation. I'll go back and look at your comments. So in your comments, you can drop in there right now what it is that you're thinking about, who your targets are. Don't put their name on here, please. Uh, don't put their actual name. But think about it. You can be as vague as grandchild, child, whatever. And then what opportunities do you have to have this conversation? And I'm going to get on Boom Wolf Church of Christ real quick. So I'm going to mute myself. All right. So if you have any comments or anything you want to talk about, as I see these comments come up, uh, we will then I'll then answer them if I can. Or we can have our own chat if I can get this to work. All right, Charlotte Moore. So see, I see that grandson. Excellent. So what opportunities do you have in your normal conversations with him? What opportunities do you have that you can have a conversation? Is it at a ball game? Is it in a car ride? Is it via text message? Is it something he likes and talks about? What are those discussions? Thank you, Sherry. I see Cherry. I see you as well. Same conversation. Have those thoughts with yourself as you go through this. We're going to have another minute of this. And all of you that are listening online, thank you so much. And like I said, we're trying to find ways to do this creatively where we can have this conversation, uh, both with our people at home and our people here. So both parties benefit from that. About one more minute. You can turn this mic back on. I will call that a successful first attempt. I actually had a conversation with somebody on Facebook with a microphone that wasn't in the room with me. That's what I was trying to do. So in case you're curious what I was doing up here, that's what I was trying to do, was I was trying to make sure our folks at home can participate in this discussion as well. Uh, so I know you're still talking. I'm going to ask for some feedback from each of you. Somebody tell me a target they have that they need to have, that they need to have this conversation with. Because, yeah, you can tell me I need to talk to the youth. I get so many limited opportunities. If you're waiting on me to talk to your grandchild or child, you may, it may never happen. So you may be the only person that can have that conversation. This is you putting good in. Okay? So who wants to go first? Who has a target? Anyone? I'll start calling you. that come up or topics that come up 
Make sure you use the correct names. Have those conversations. Use those. Those are absolute huge opportunities you have. And I agree. Oftentimes they ask themselves. And here's the deal. Depending on how you respond to that question, if you make it grossly uncomfortable, they're not going to do it again. Okay? Why would they? If you make it uncomfortable, why would they want to have that conversation with you a second time? So absolutely, if they ask, do that. I have a funny story about a friend of mine about a daughter who asked him what something was. That's all I'm going to say. They're driving down the road at 70 miles an hour. She goes, Dad, what's a so-and-so? And he says, Jonathan, I nearly hit the bridge. Because his little daughter was nine years old, and he did not expect that conversation to come out of her mouth. But let me tell you something. Her dad or her mom was the one that needed to answer that question. Not a YouTube video. Not a website. Not a friend. Okay, that's who needed to answer it because we can answer it in the correct Christian way and make sure we set the parameters around that conversation. All right, great. What else? What other opportunities? They bring up they bring up the subject for you. That's phenomenal. What happens if they don't? How do you get that subject going? circumstances outside you have to address. So Jeremy, you're telling me that on occasion in our culture, you might run into sexual immorality. Yes, I can tell you all this right now. My sons, they don't have a clue who they can date. Now I'm fixing to embarrass the devil out of my wife. I will apologize on the front end. It's because my wife has what she calls a hoochie scale. That really has to do with how short their shorts or skirts are. And as of right now in Saltillo, I don't know that there's a young girl that my sons are allowed to date. Now you may think that's extreme, but do you realize how many teachable moments my wife encounters in routine days within, within modest dress? So it comes up a good bit. And if my sons think it's, they just can't date right now, okay, so be it. That's okay. But what she has done is set a standard. And what's that standard? We want you to be with someone that is decent, pure, and holy-minded. That doesn't conform to the world. Now, as a general rule, that's what we do in our household. Kim marks the behavior, and I have the conversation later on. That's fine. Because I'm the dad and I have sons. So these are conversations we have to have. And it doesn't matter how it works for your family, but work those situations out. You will see plenty of opportunities, to Jeremy's point, in the real world if you just keep your eyes open. You will have them. You will have them. One of the most powerful things my mom did to me, and I don't think I've ever actually told her this, she talked about my wife when I was 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, etc. What do I mean she talked about my wife? I mean she talked about personality traits. I mean she talked about the fact that she wanted her to be a Christian. That there was an expectation I would have a wife if I wanted to have sex. And it was an open conversation. And it wasn't weird. My mom told me she prayed for my wife before I ever even met her. 
So, moms, grandmoms, you want a real simple text message to a grandson or a granddaughter? Tell them you prayed for their husband, their future husband or their future wife someday. Last night. Hey, by the way, I prayed for your spouse one day. I prayed they keep themselves pure. I prayed that they become a Christian. And I prayed they would treat you right. Well, guess what that actually tells your kid that you care about? I need to look for somebody that's a Christian. I need to look for somebody that will treat me like a Christian and treat me decent, like a human being. I need to look for somebody that's pure. What an amazing, powerful message with three to four sentences. It puts an expectation on them, Jeremy? Really? Funny. What do you think the number one reason was that I went to Freed Hardeman? Find that young woman sitting right back there. Found her, married her, changed schools. True story. Not saying that's what we need to do in Christian education. I'm just saying that's what I had to do because they didn't have my major. Okay, I'm just saying. But undergrad's pretty easy. Set that expectation. When you see behaviors modeled on TV that are wrong, say they are wrong. When you see modeled behavior out in public, Say they are wrong. Now, be, be decent about this. If a homosexual couple is walking by, don't be like, you aren't going to do that. You can do that later. But if you ever want to have an influence on that couple, you may not have just lost that opportunity if you publicly humiliate them. I, I don't know any argument that has ever been won by public humiliation. I don't know one. So make sure you season your salt. But you're going to have plenty of opportunities to have that conversation. All right. So now, as we are steadily running into, into more conversations that I want you to have, I want you to think through this as you leave tonight. We're going to hit some Bible verses for the next 10 minutes. I want you to think about those conversations. And this is your homework assignment. I want you to enter into a conversation with someone you care about this week, before we get back here next Wednesday, Lord willing, about this subject. This is what I promise. One, it will not go nearly as badly as you think it will. It won't. Two, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes long. Three sentences. One sentence. Four sentences. One paragraph. All it takes. It's all it takes. But here's the deal. I will gladly teach the young people that you're concerned about. Any day of the week and any opportunity I am given them, given. But I may never teach yours. They may not live in Boonville. They may not hear this broadcast. They may not ever hear a word I ever say. We may never meet. I may get killed in a car wreck on the way home tonight. So if you're waiting on me to teach them, you're risking a lot. So I want you to do it. Here's the deal. You're going to have one of two reactions. And I have both in my family. I'm not going to say who does what. One of my children, when this subject comes up, goes, please stop. I don't want to talk about this. And I go, okay, just so you know I care. The other one's reaction is to talk for the next 30 minutes about that subject. 
You'll probably figure out who's who. But the point of the matter is, you don't talk, you don't listen. You are letting the devil fill their brains. That's what Stephen said, you've got to put good in. What's good? Marriage is honorable in the sight of all. Sex inside the marriage is good, great, and honorable. Should be encouraged. Affection inside the marriage bonds. Good, great, wonderful, all good. These are good things. It's even okay to say you enjoy it. I know, guys, we can't say that at church for some reason. I don't understand why. Read the Song of Solomon, people. Read it. And tell me it makes God blush. Because it doesn't. Satan's making you blush so you won't have the conversation. But if you just get over that, make it all like, this is fine, we're going to have this conversation, it will go much better than you think it does. And then you can open those dialects, you can keep having those conversations all the time. But here's the deal. When they want to talk about something that has nothing to do with the Bible, have the conversation. Give them the time back too, because they deserve it. Now, why? Why are we so concerned about this? Turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. We're going to run through these Bible verses very quickly, not because they're not important, but because they require no comment about me. Zero. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, the conversation we're talking about right now, nor idolaters, which can also be sex, nor adulterers, adulterers, also usually a sexual sin, nor men who practice homosexuality, another sexual sin. It's amazing to me that it's all sexual sins and they're just right here in a row. Oftentimes when God talks about sin, He talks with broad strokes. But in this particular subject, He gets very specific on very specific things as if He knows we're going to say, well, He didn't say we couldn't do this. Nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And just to dispel any myth that you're born a certain way, any myth, He adds this verse. And such were, past tense, some of you. In other words, there were homosexuality, people that were homosexuals in the church at Corinth, and they changed. There were adulterers in the church at Corinth, and they changed. There were sexually immoral in the church at Corinth, and they changed. You were not born a sexual pedophile, a sexual homosexual, or a sexual deviant. You were not born that way. You gave in to your own temptations, and you became that. Now Satan will leave those hooks in you until you feel it was so much good you can't do it anymore. Let's talk about adultery real quick. I have often said, I don't know how someone has the time to have an affair. Between work and making sure I make every practice and every ball game and every event in my children's life where I'm supposed to be, I don't have time to see another woman. To Stephen's point, if you fill your life with what you're supposed to be doing, you won't have time to fill it with evil. So let's keep going. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Verse 12, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved. Nothing will have power over me by anything. 
We're going to skip for just a second. We're going to go halfway through that next verse where it says, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant, the body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. The Lord for the body. Now we're fixing into a subject that for some reason confuses people, and it shouldn't. But I'm just going to hit it head on, and we're going to roll right through it. It says, the Lord is meant for your body. What? Well, let's keep reading. Verse 14, And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. In other words, there is literally when there is a DNA sharing that occurs in the sexual act, are you going to join Christ to prostitutes by joining your body, which is meant for God, to someone that was not meant for your body? Now, surely I'm misreading that. Well, let's, find, let's figure that out. Am I misreading that? Let's keep reading. Verse 16, Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? It's being very specific here. This is a very good verse to take your young people to. Your body is not a credit card machine. Cards cannot come in and out. It's designed for one and one only. Because once you join that body, you're with that person forever, according to this. Let's keep going. For as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. Verse 17. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Okay, now wait a minute. The sexual act joins us together from a DNA perspective, from a bodily fluid perspective, joins us to one person. It says if you're joined to God, your spirit becomes joined one thing with Christ. That is an awesome statement if you really sit down and think about it. That's that joining, that's that union with Christ. You are connected together with Christ if you do it right. Listen to what he says here. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other person, a person, every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Why does that matter so much? Why does God hate sexual immorality so much? Verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians, back to where we went to the marriage discussion, where the two people were supposed to come together. The husband's body became the woman's body. The woman's body became the husband's body. And they were supposed to be together. The same thing is supposed to happen to you when you get baptized into Christ. You are now linked to Jesus. And it says every other sin is outside of that body. Not saying it's less. But the difference is, Jesus' Spirit, the Spirit of God, dwells within you. There are people in our brotherhood that debate this subject, and I have never understood the merit of the conversation. Not the argument, the conversation. Because none of this makes sense if you say it ain't there. You might as well just rip it out of your Bible. 
like a Calvinist does, and goes, it's not real, it's not there. There's no merit in having the conversation, because none of this makes sense. It says specifically, you are a temple to God. Why? Because when you go in that water, you are joined to Him. You are married to Him, and He becomes one with you. But when you have sex with someone you're not supposed to in any shape, form, or fashion, what are you doing? You are bringing a prostitute into the temple of God. Now, next week, we're going to go to Numbers. And we're going to see what happens to people that do that. Because believe it or not, our good friends, the Jews, we actually have an example from Numbers where this actually happened. I hope... Not that I scared you with the rating of that scripture, but that I shared the importance of why I want you to have a target, someone you care about in your life, and two, why it's so important to have these conversations. We do not want our youth to be joined with people that are adulterers, prostitutes, etc. Paul devoted an entire chapter to this, and then some. Pay attention to this. Thank you so much for your attention tonight. I hope you have a wonderful new year. Hope to see you back next Wednesday. Have a great night.